Welcome to Renewed by the Word with Pastor Edwin from Redeemer Church, Miami. We are glad you can join us today. Please grab your Bibles as we walk through the Word of God together this morning. Our, our third point, the message. Peter starts talking. It's, it's, it's beautiful. If we are called to account today for an act of kindness, uh, if you're asking how he was healed, verse 9, verse 10, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. A couple of things here. First of all, notice that as he's preaching, he's not defending himself. He's not trying to save himself. He realizes that he stands before a, a, a body, an organ of government before him that can put him to death if they want to. They can march them off to, to, uh, to Pilate and to Herod and those guys, and they can be put to death, just like they put Jesus to death. But here is Peter who is not defending himself. He's not trying to save his name or clear his name. He is simply glorifying and lifting up the name of Jesus. And that's the mistake that we sometimes make when we try to share our faith. We think it's about us and sharing what I've done and sharing what I know. Share Jesus. Share him. Share him. Allow your life to be the testimony. Allow your life to be the testimony because in the end, what people want to see is not how much you know about Jesus, but what he's done in your life. How has your life changed? What is the difference? What was that right turn? What was that intersection where things changed altogether? But there is an exclusive claim. He says, it's in the name of Jesus that it happened. Listen, church, forget about Buddha, forget about Muhammad, forget about Joseph Smith, forget about any Catholic saints that might be out there, some little statue somewhere, forget about some energy that's out there, whatever. The name of Jesus, period. There is but one Savior, there is but one Messiah, there is only one person who stands at the right hand of God the Father, and his name is Jesus. And if someone has a, a problem with that, if someone has trouble with that, Guess what? Jesus doesn't care. Because he is the second person of the Trinity. He is who he is. And it is what it is, as, as our society likes to say. There was one Messiah. There was one person. There was one name. There was one Savior. Period. There are not different people who said different things. There are not different ways up to the top of the mountain. Jesus brings the top of the mountain down to us because there was no way to climb it. An exclusive claim, and Peter echoes it in the sermon. And then here's a deeper point for you. Let me, let, me, let me challenge you this morning to think this through. Peter no longer focuses on the miracle. He focuses on the resurrection. And here is where some churches and some pastors, I can say that because I'm a pastor, have fallen victim to what our society says is a moment of impact. How does our society try to impact people? Think about this for a second. How does our society try to impact people? Our society does it in a couple of different ways. Let's start with the most basic, a sporting event. You gather 80,000 people into an arena or into a football stadium. Everyone screams at players. Things happen. There's energy in the environment. You know, there's food and there's drinks and there's entertainment. And there's just, for lack of a better term, let's just call it enthusiasm and kind of an energy. Let's put that in quotes within the crowd, right, of people being together. And people walk, walk away saying, wow, what a game. And when you see some of the reruns, you can say, hey, I was there. So that's one way that our society says, okay, that'll make a mark on your heart. It'll make a difference. The other way our society does it as well is with concerts. And I think the people, and I think, I, I mean, I don't know who your favorite artists are and all that stuff, but I think one of the people who really started to change the genre of what a concert was like, I mean, you can make an argument for Madonna, but I think the people that we would all say because they were a lot larger is you 2 They're the ones who really took the whole concert thing to another level with graphics and stuff and fireworks. 
And people would say, oh, because I was there, and what an experience. The emotional high, there was a mark on the heart. And then you have over here kind of the arts, a concert, uh, a beautiful theater, something, and you say, wow, you know, an impacting. And here's the problem. The church has looked at that and said, aha, uh -huh. so that's how you touch the human heart. And that's where the miracle happens, with a crowd, with the energy, with the noise, right, with the lights. And our church has said, oh, okay, so that's where the miracle happens. And notice what Peter is doing. He ignores the lame man. He ignores the miracle, and he talks about the resurrection and the person. And this is where so many churches have fallen short. Pastors stand up front, and, and, and sometimes, and I'm just, I can say because I'm a pastor, they lie to their churches. And say, oh, yeah, because today, you know, you're going to be healed, and you're going to... That depends on God's will. That depends on God's power. That depends on God's way. If God determines it, then it happens. But we fall and pray. We saw these big examples and we said, aha, so that's how change happens. Change doesn't happen in that kind of an environment. That's why I saw mega churches come up. That's why I saw smoke, mirror lights, louder, louder, bigger, bigger, more, more, more. And they mistook, the church mistook that, that experience for the miracle. And the miracle is not in the crowd or in the noise or in the music. The miracle is in the person. That's where the person is born. That's where things change. That's where salvation happens. And by the way, miracles always are connected to salvation. They're not supposed to happen in and of themselves, disconnected loosely. Because you see here that this man is a picture because the word for him being healed, in Greek, it goes deeper. It goes to his salvation. It's not that he was healed standing next to Peter and John. It's that he was saved standing next to Peter and John. And the modern church has missed that. They've disconnected the miracle and the power from the resurrection, from the person, and from salvation. And that's a tragedy. And we as a church need to also speak out and clear that up for our society. But as you speak, church, as you speak about Jesus, remember this, this beautiful quote from the Old Testament, Psalm 118, the stone the builders rejected has become their cornerstone. In other words, the Jesus that was pushed to the side by the rulers, the Jesus who's pushed to the side by our society is the main thing that everything has to stand upon. Everything collapses without him. Ask anyone who has come to Jesus, who's come to know him in a true way, to look back at their life, at the different collapses, and they'll say, it was because I didn't have Jesus. I was wobbling and, and, and swaying in the wind because there was no rock to hold me down. And we close by saying this. Courage and obedience. A couple of powerful phrases here that I'll talk very quickly through. They, were, they noticed, they, they're looking at Peter and John and they're like, these are unschooled, ordinary men. Unschooled, in other words, it wasn't that they weren't educated, because they had a certain education. It was that they didn't know how to use the Bible, the Torah, the, the law, the Old Testament. And, the, and now Peter's connecting it uh, with Jesus right in front of their eyes. They were ordinary men. They weren't professionals, they weren't the smartest, they weren't the brightest, they were just kind of people just like you and me. But it was now their turn to speak for Jesus. It is now your turn to speak for Jesus. Look how pretty it was. It says here, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You will never be able to impact anyone with the gospel, with the name of Jesus Christ, if it's just information coming out of your mouth, if it's a transaction that's happening. When you encounter people, they must know that you have been with Jesus. You've been in his presence. You've been in prayer. You've been in the word. And there is a tenderness and there is a care and there's a certain interest that comes across where the individual says to themselves, oh, I'm not trying to be bullied. I'm not trying to be just convinced or brainwashed. They actually have something from their heart to say to me. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. What are we going to do with them? 
the Sanhedrin says. You see, the devil attacks us in a couple of ways, church. The devil will attack you with shame and guilt. Those are his two favorite weapons. Don't allow shame and guilt to determine your present or your future. That's the devil's ploy. That's one of the last tools that he has left. But he also likes to try to shrink you. How does he try to shrink you? Oh, you don't know as much as the pastor. Oh, you don't, you know, you didn't go to seminary to study. Oh, you don't know that much. He tries to throw these doubts into your mind so that you won't speak the name of Jesus. Church, you are the testimony. You are the evidence. You are the declaration of Jesus. Not the information you know, your life. You, you are the testimony. The first had the first-hand evidence of a resurrected Savior. Share your life, and then we'll worry about information later on. The text leaves us with a very big challenge, and I'll share it with you, and we can talk on a larger scale for a second. These people say to Peter and John, you stop speaking in that name right now, or you're going to be in a lot of trouble. They're just wagging their fingers at him because the, the lame man that the whole city knew the guy for 40 years who'd been begging, who couldn't walk, is standing right next to Peter and John. He's right here. So they're looking at the guy and they're like, okay, so we can't fight against that. We can't fight against a life, a testimony of a life changed and transformed. We can't argue against that. So we're just going to wag our finger. And that's what our society is trying to do to us. You stop speaking about Jesus right now, you Christian troublemakers. And I love that Peter says, who are we going to listen to? God or you? The question answers itself. We have arrived at a moment in our society where we must stand our ground for the word and for the name of Jesus Christ. I don't know what it's going to cost you. I don't know. I'm not going to guess. I'm not some prophet. It might cost you some friends. It might cost you a job. It might cost you opportunity. But nonetheless, like Peter and John, it is now your turn to pay that price for Jesus. They stood for him and they changed a nation. And then with the Apostle Paul, they changed the Roman Empire, the world as we knew it. And if you're worried about our country, and if you're worried about the direction that it's going, and if you're worried about our city, then guess what? The only way to change it is to stand up for Jesus Christ and to speak his name into the dark corners of our city and of our nation. But how do we expect change to happen if the followers of Christ will not speak up? So again, I say to you, I don't know what it's going to cost you. If you own a business, it might cost you a client. It might cost you a family member. It might cost you a couple of friends. But you speak the name of Jesus and you plant that seed and then you let God do the rest. I love that these individuals, Peter and John said, you know what, I'm not listening to you. I listen to God. And there is something to be said about the church listening to the word of God and not listening to the word of society. Let me use an example for you. And I like to give credit where it's due. Even though the Catholic church has radically different beliefs than Protestant churches, I salute them because this week, I read that they're drafting a letter, a lot of the bishops and some of the priests here in the United States, that they, and this is, if you think about this, this is, this is important, and this is profound, that they want to refuse to give the current president communion when he goes to church. Why? Because his administration wants to fund and stands for abortion. So they are taking a stand. They are saying, you cannot 
destroy little children in the womb made in the image of God and then show up to church and come to God's table. So I commend them. I salute them this morning. This is online. This is going to be recorded. So anybody can watch it. Anybody can play it back. And I hope that some priest does because I salute them for doing this. Because you see, that's exactly what the text says. Am I going to obey God or am I going to obey you? And in the end, I'm going to obey God. So I salute those men and the religious structures that are drafting this letter. And the current president might be in for a surprise the next time he goes to church. And it's communion Sunday because he might not be allowed at the table. Word of God first, no matter the cost. And if you do that, God will bless and God will reward. I don't know how, I'm not going to guess, but he will. So I say to you, church, this morning, I say to the men this morning, let's not be reduced to hamburgers and naps. Let's be men who stand for the word of God, who speak the name of Jesus into any situation. That you will stand in the center of your families, in the center of your friends, workplaces, whatever you own or do, and that you will speak clearly the name of Jesus and you will watch Jesus bless you in return. I don't know how, but he will. Because Peter and John went home that day. Nobody could throw them in jail anymore. And the church continued to grow, continued to expand. For those who stand for the name of Jesus, God will always bring the presence and the power and the person to guide, to lead, and also to protect. So I encourage the men this morning to stand for the name of Jesus in this culture. And then I encourage all of you to also stand for the name of Jesus and bring it to bear on any and all situations that you might be presented with. And when you speak the name of Jesus, be prepared to see some amazing, beautiful things happen. Maybe not in the instant, but slowly and surely as that name is spoken into a situation, you will see healing and transformation and you will see change. That is my prayer for all of you this morning. Can we say amen, church? Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that on this Father's Day, we celebrate your fatherhood over us. Thank you that you care and you protect and you guide and you provide. I pray for all the men here in this church today. I pray for those who are watching online as well, that you would give them a supernatural courage, a supernatural filling and leading of the Holy Spirit, that they would lead their families well, that they would lead their companies well, that they will lead within their friends well because people will be able to tell that they've been with Jesus. So Father, use us as instruments to change all of us and help us to always stand for your truth, stand for your way, stand for your word, no matter the cost. We will look to you for protection and provision, not to a society and not to a government. And thank you that the name of Jesus is greater. Thank you that the name of Jesus is the only name above all names where salvation is to be found. I pray that we would know that. I pray that we would live that. So Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for the great privilege and honor to be here in your presence today on this Father's Day. A blessing, Lord, over our families today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Thank you for joining us today on Renewed by the Word. Our desire and hope is that your time in the Word with Pastor Edwin will continue God's renewal in your entire person and life. For more information about Redeemer Church Miami and Pastor Edwin, visit their website, RedeemerChurchMiami.org. That's RedeemerChurchMiami.org. May God bless you richly, and we look forward to being with you next week.